0: Yes. Thank you very much. Let's see if this works. I don't know what, uh, what's going on with this little thingy here, but it doesn't seem to be working. Um, I may need somebody to sit back there then and help guide us through. So we're talking about the ministerial office gifts. We find this in Ephesians chapter 4. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to read a little bit here. Ephesians 4 verse 8 it says, Wherefore he saith when he ascended up on high... He led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Then verse 11, he explains some of those gifts. It says, and he gave some apostles. We've talked about them already. Some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Those last three we have yet to cover. And tonight we will be covering the office of the prophet. Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. <clears throat> I do kind of feel like I'm, I'm cut off up here. If you could turn my monitor up a little. Uh, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. That is the point. He's trying to get us to that place where we come to unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And ultimately, this is the reason that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. Children don't know what to think. Children are too young. They've not formulated a broad scale view of the world of scripture in order to be able to determine truth. That's why the role of the parent is so important, especially these days, the role of the parent is so important because... And, and and really that's what he's he's explaining. He's saying the fivefold ministry, they are to become, if you will, the parents of the church, helping new saints and saints who are immature in Christ to develop themselves, that they be not tossed to and fro carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. It is a parent's job to protect their children from people who would seek to do them harm. And that's what the, the fivefold ministry is. They are there to take on that role of a spiritual parenthood over the church to protect the children that they may be able to formulate a broad-scale perspective of the Scriptures, a solid foundation and understanding of doctrine that they will not be carried about by every wind of doctrine or deceived by false prophets. Amen. Hallelujah. So this is what we call the ministry office gifts. You've also heard it as the fivefold ministries. I'm not going to try to reteach absolutely everything, but we are going to go through this quickly. We have the body of Christ or the church. Everybody say the church. The church needs the body parts to be successful, right? I know we can survive without a leg, but do you really want to? I'm sort of surviving with half of a leg, and I can tell you I wish I had two full legs, hallelujah, because, uh, you know, my knee is still, still messing up on me. So, uh, But who would want to survive without their eye? Maybe you could, but it would make life more difficult, and ultimately that's why we need to be a well-rounded, balanced church that has all five of the offices in operation so although and and as we've said many times it isn't essential to label individual ministries we're not here to say okay that I'm I have to be an evangelist and I can be nothing else we're not trying to do that but we are trying to pinpoint exactly what these roles or offices are meant to do, have a more broad understanding of them so that I can be more effective in it. If you could go back real quick, go back to the body. So as we see here, the body, the apostles are the feet. They are moving the body of Christ forward. The evangelists are the hands They are reaching out to the lost. They're moving the body of Christ to reach out to the lost. The pastor is the heart. They are supplying the body of Christ with love and care. The teachers are the mouth. They are communicating to the body of Christ the word, The prophets are the eyes. They are seeing in the spiritual realm what God's plan is for the body of Christ and those coming in. We've got the apostles are the feet, evangelists the hands, pastors the heart, teachers the mouth, and prophets the eyes. Okay, you can go to the next one. So to break this down even further, the apostles' focus is mission, they're moving us forward. Their eye mindset is on the mission. Their focus is on the mission. Again, you 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 can pinpoint some people, individuals who are like this in the church where it's about the mission, it's about moving things forward. And that is okay. We need people like that. Amen. The prophet's focus is in the spirit. They're trying to see in the spiritual realm. They're performing operations in the gifts of the Spirit. We'll talk about all that, but but that's their focus. The evangelist's focus is unbelievers. They they don't much have patience for church folk. They, they're more comfortable out there with unbelievers, and but God has put that in them. God designed them that way so that they can bring them in and they can draw them in to the church. The pack, pastor's focus is is believers I believe the pastor shares that dual responsibility with the teacher in order to make disciples out of people right so the pastor's focus is believers they're trying to to be there for the saints guard and protect the saints um, you know so so here's just an example of this. And I don't, I don't mean to get too political here, okay? So, so please forgive me if I'm overstepping my political boundaries, all right? But, you know, with COVID-19, what we saw is we saw specific individuals creating the plan for all of the world, right? And these were the health specialists, And the problem is, is when you have only a few select people who are involved in one select grouping, that's all their focus is on, right? So they can say, yeah, let's shut down the whole world. Let's make it to where nobody can do anything. Let's make it where everybody has to wear masks. We're going to shut down the businesses, shut down the churches. Everything's going to be shut down. Why? Because they're health specialists. Their primary focus is on the health of people. If they were economists, they probably would have had a completely different focus, right? It would have been different. That's why a balance was necessary in that. I don't feel like we had much of a balance when it came to that. Thank God for Florida. Amen. Anyhow. All right, I'm, I'm overstepping a little bit. But this is why we talk about the church. We say that there's, we can get into a mindset where we're so focused in one area and it's all about unbelievers. Listen, I believe that we need to be a mission minded church, we need to be a reaching church, but it can't only be about the unbelievers, and it can't only be about the believers. And it can't only be about doctrine. And it can't only be about the spirit and the gifts of the spirit. And it can't only be about the mission. We need all five to keep us balanced and moving forward so that there be no lacking in the church. Oh, praise God. I love this topic. (laughs) I think that this is just so essential for every church to get. Hallelujah. So, so again, that's, that's as far as we're going to go. If you want more of a breakdown of all this stuff, you can watch lesson one. But we're going to go specifically in defining the office of a prophet. So first of all, prophets, they are the eyes of the body. The prophet's focus is spirit. They are uniquely called to operate in the gifts of of the spirit. Now again, I don't know if you've met people like this. Right, they're a little different. They're a little out there. You know, uh, if you've ever spent time specifically with Pastor Hamby, the the man that we've been uh, we've been visiting his church on the third Sunday, he's he's a little different. You spend any time with him, you know that he's he's got kind of a a charismatic way about him, and and you know he. And he'll drop everything at a dime of a hat. Oh, you're feeling it. You oh, know, let's pray. You know, it's, you know, he's just, he's just a little different. But that's because he's called to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Now, he's serving dual roles there. He's also a pastor, which he serves that role very well. But you can see the prophet in him. And you can see, I've seen, Been able to to experience a prophet's ministry many times. I can tell you they are often just a little bit different. They're a little bit spooky, if you will. They can tend to be a little spooky, tend to make people feel a little uncomfortable. But let me tell you, the prophets are absolutely essential for the New Testament church if we are to move forward and keep our eyesight on the Spirit of God and the kingdom of God. Amen? And ultimately, the reason why prophets tend to be so different is because we tend to be a little bit more carnal. <laughs> And they just seem to be a little bit more connected to the heavenly realm, right? And and, and again, I, I don't want to put prophets in a box and say this is the only way they are or, or anything like that or every prophet is the same. But just keep in mind that this is their primary focus. Often, and I believe that's what God wants in this church. I believe God's calling individuals, to rise up in the office of a prophet so that they could help to keep the gifts of the Spirit on the front line. Hallelujah. Prophets who are able to keep the idea of faith and prayer and miracles and healings and prophetic utterances and words of wisdom and words of knowledge, that they would keep all of that on the front line and say, if we don't have healing in this church, what are we doing? Uh, If we don't have miracles in this church, what are we doing? Uh, If we don't have a prophetic utterance in this church, what are we doing? Hallelujah. Praise God. And I pray God will rise up prophets in this church who can walk in that role and keep us focused on those areas. I'm not talking about just people who say, okay, well, I just, I want to see what God can do. or I want to walk in the supernatural just for the sake of walking in the supernatural. But you feel like God has anointed you and called you to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Let me tell you, every person in here is called to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. (laughs) Every person in here. Hallelujah. If you're called to be a prophet or not, you are called to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. The prophet is simply there again, not to fulfill that role alone, but to keep us focused on that role, to keep us focused on it. Now, uh, one thing that was mentioned by uh, uh, Brother Victor, somebody had said to him, is that prophets are no longer in the New Testament church. They were primarily, that role was in the Old Testament church. Well, I can tell you that is not the case scripturally. And we're going to see, and, and last week, again, last, la, not last week, but the last lesson was all about the role of prophecy in the New Testament church. But what about the role of the prophet in the New Testament church? I believe it is just as prominent as in the Old Testament, if not more so. And please, give me a moment just to to make that case. So first of all, just as the Old Testament had prophets, so did the first church. We're going to talk about several prophets. First of all, we see Acts 13 and 1. This is just a general verse of Scripture declaring the prophets. It says now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, it's making the statement that there are specific men and women, as we see in other places in Scripture, that were called and they were looked upon as prophets. This isn't something that was only in the Old Testament. This was carried over in the New Testament, and I'm telling you, there are still prophets in the church today. We may be a little bit more scared to declare them as prophets, say they're prophets, and we'll talk about that later on, hallelujah, but there are absolutely still prophets in the church today. Let me tell you, this church would not be here without the role of the prophet, Tim. And I don't mean this individual church only. I mean the church as a whole would not be here without the role of a prophet. The New Testament church. Well, what basis do I have for that? Well, well, let's look at this. First, the church is built upon the foundation of the New Testament apostles and prophets. That's what the Bible says. That means not only was the role of the prophet prominent in the New Testament church, but this is telling me that everything the church is today, its foundation and beginning was due to the role of a prophet. How much more important should we look at the role of prophets and apostles? Hallelujah. Well, well, let's look at this Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but you have become fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. He's talking about the church, the body of Christ. Verse 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This church is built on the backs of prophets and apostles. Praise God. Hallelujah. And as we'll see, and this is speaking specifically of the word of God, and we'll see in other scriptures specifically prophets. We look at the Old Testament. We say, well, you know, we've got the, all the prophecy books, right, from Isaiah onward. Now, in truth, all of the Old Testament is a word of prophecy. Prophecy is not only the foretelling of future events. It is a spiritual utterance that comes from the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And that's why the Bible tells us in 2 Peter 1.19, it says we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Now, this is talking about Old Testament. He's saying we have the Old Testament which is a sure word of prophecy. He is calling the Old Testament prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed to it, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day of dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. He's trying to tell them, I know we're in the New Testament, but you got to take heed to the Old Testament because it was prophecy. Verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, or in other words, it was not written from the will of man, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy, everybody say holy men, of God spake as they were moved of the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Ghost. That's why that word that you're holding, that Bible in your hand, it's more than just a book of ideas or thoughts. It was prophetic utterances written down by men, were moved by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. But let me also tell you this, if the Old Testament prophets were moved by the Holy Ghost, I'm filled by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, and if the Holy Ghost can move them to write and to prophesy the words of God, how much more should I allow the Holy Ghost to use me? Being filled with the Holy Ghost, use me to speak a word of prophecy and to speak and and utter the words of God. Hallelujah, but we see. Now, now just, just look at this one more time. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 5. Now, this beginning, they're also talking about Old Testament prophets. He says, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, this new oracle, this new idea that Gentiles could be part of the kingdom of God. He said the Old Testament prophets, they didn't see this, but it is now revealed unto his Holy apostles. Everybody say holy. That sounds a lot like Old Testament. Holy men as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. Now he's saying holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Very similar word usage. The same Holy Ghost that moved them in the Old Testament to write the words of the Old Testament. It is the same Holy Ghost bringing revelation and prophecy to holy apostles and prophets in the New Testament. Verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. This is revelation. This is prophecy revealed to the apostles and prophets. No wonder Ephesians tells us in Ephesians or uh, yeah, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us uh, that they we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Because what the Old Testament prophets could not see, the New Testament by the Spirit of God, the New Testament prophets could see. I'm telling you the prof- role of the prophet is not just in operation today as it was back then, but even more more so. They have greater revelation. They have fresh vision. Oh, The Holy Ghost is using them in just as great a ways as Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Hosea. Come on now, hallelujah. I'm wondering if there's a Hosea in the place, if there's an Isaiah in the house, if there's a Jeremiah in the house where God can move upon you and give you fresh prophecy. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I will make note, Ephesians 3, verse 5, just go back one. It says, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets. That means Ephesians 2, just one chapter before, when he says we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. He's not talking about prophets then. He's talking about prophets now. Oh, hallelujah, (laughs) God's calling prophets now. God is calling apostles now. God is pouring out revelation now. Oh, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. It's happening now. God is doing it now. We shouldn't expect only to read Old Testament prophecy. We need prophecy now. We need revelation now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the church is built upon the role of prophets and apostles. And the New Testament prophets, which we're going to really break down one prophet specifically tonight, they were a voice of warning to the church. They guided the church in crucial moments. One specific prophet that we'll do kind of a case study on for the next couple minutes is Agabus. This was so fascinating as I began to study this man, Agabus, who the Bible declares was a prophet. We see him first in Acts chapter 11 and verse 27 says, "And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch." Now, first of all, just go ahead and put that verse back on. Let's just look at that. This is how common it was. I said, "There is a group of prophets that came from Jerusalem unto Antioch. It wasn't just, there were some men who came and, and they prophesied. No. The role of the prophets was so predominant in the New Testament church, they just said, in those days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And and some would say, well, yeah, of course, the prophets. It's talking about the the, uh, Peter and James and John and all of that. Well, that's not, you know, the Bible doesn't describe any of them. Verse 28, and there stood up one of them, named Agabus, previously unnamed, previously unheard of, not one of the 12, not somebody who, as far as we know, saw Jesus when he walked the earth, but now he's in the picture, and he becomes a prominent voice in the New Testament church. It says there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, uh, or great famine throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar, saying this famine did come, and because of the voice of the prophet who stood up in the midst of the church, and said there's going to be a great famine that come, the church moved to provide for the need. Verse 29, this is what happened when he prophesied. The disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Now the reason that they knew to send money and relief to those in Jerusalem or in Judea was because of the prophecy of Agabus. What would happen if we had a voice of a prophet that could speak and warn the church? Future conflict, famine. I believe we've heard many of those voices the last couple years, warning us of things like this pandemic and this economic crisis that we're in. Hallelujah! I tell you, if we would to hear the voice of the prophet, it would guide the church, and we'd be able to send relief where it needs it the most. Agabus did not stop there. We see him again in Acts chapter 21 and verse 10. He prophesied of Paul's arrest, which gave Paul warning and put in him a boldness to face whatever God would lie at his, at, at his feet. So Acts 21 and 10, as we tarried there many days, there came from, down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle, bound it around his hands and his feet, and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle, and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles, And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and break mine heart? Look at this. For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. So the voice of the prophet spoke in this spooky, strange, different kind of way. If you notice, prophets often speak and perform in symbolic actions. For example, the Lord commanded Ezekiel to draw the city of Jerusalem on a clay tablet and to lay siege against it. By building a siege wall, heaping up a mound of dirt, and placing battering rams against it. Basically, he had Ezekiel put together an art project. And it became a prophetic scene as to what was going to happen in Jerusalem. We also see Jeremiah taking upon him a... uh, a Praise God. Where you would put on cattle. I'm trying to think of it, but but a a bind on his neck. Where you'd, you'd bind the cattle together. Yoke, a yoke upon his neck. It was symbolic to the yoke that God would place upon Jerusalem through its bondage. Often the prophetic voice is symbolic. It is providing symbolism through action or visuals that help people to remember and understand what God is doing and how God is doing it. I remember several times God using me in that way or using others in that way to speak and minister to me. I remember specifically uh, when, when my brother, I remember my brother, he was really praying, the, which, by the way, then my brother did do a great job Sunday. It was a great word. Hallelujah. So thankful for him and his ministry. Hallelujah. But I remember many years ago, he was in the middle of fasting. He was really seeking God. He had not yet started to really preach, but he was, he was starting to seek after God and God's will for his life. And I just remember God telling me to take a Bible. He was laying on the floor He said to take a Bible and go put the Bible on his back and to speak to him. I didn't know what I was going to say, but I went and put the Bible. It was my big Bible. I went and put it on his back, and I said to him, you are called to preach the gospel. This word will be a burden on your back, and it will be something that you carry with you throughout the rest of your life. And placing it on his back was a symbolism for him to recognize that burden that he would have to carry to carry the gospel and to preach the word of God. Hallelujah. And I'm I'm not saying that to try to lift me up or anything like that, but to say that prophecy is often symbolic, almost performative. It appears to be performative because truly what it is, is it is, men trying to take the will and plan of God and putting it in a way to communicate it effectively. Is that what we're called to do anyhow? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. And that's what prophets are doing. They're taking the plan and will of God that they've seen in the spirit and they're communicating it in the way that it'll communicate effectively to the hearers. Or this year, how about we clap our hands and thank the Lord here today. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) And the Bible doesn't tell us what Agabus thought about this. It doesn't tell us. Agabus didn't offer any solutions. I think it's important. This is something that God has had to deal with me over and over and over again because I like to talk, (laughs) if you haven't noticed. And I feel like I have to provide all the answers. But what God continuously has to reveal to me is I'm not here to help people with my own thoughts, ideas, or will. I am here to communicate the word and will of God. Agabus did not take the cloak and say whoever takes this or whose cloak this is will be arrested in Jerusalem. So he should not go. Perhaps that was in his mind, but he never said it. Because it was the will of God that Paul go and get arrested. Let us not presume to know the entire story. Sometimes God just reveals our part of it. To provide it for them. And they take it and they do with it as God wants them to do with it. Hallelujah. Praise God. No, but the Bible tells us that they... He spoke as he was moved by the Holy Ghost. He said in verse 11, thus saith the Holy Ghost. Let's let the Holy Ghost talk. Don't try to talk. Don't try to give meaning to it. Don't try to provide more than what God's given you. If God's given you a word, trust that that word's going to make sense. Trust that that word's not going to fall or fail. It's going to reach the point that it's supposed to reach. Was it something that Brother Hamby, he's told this story to me once, and I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. He said he was praying for somebody some one time, and God just put in his mind, I think it was something like a pink alligator. Just something so weird, so random. And He, he just said to this person, he said, I don't know what all this means, he said, but I'm just here to tell you, pink alligator. And that woman began to pray through, and God greatly touched her. After service, he said, what was the deal with the pink alligator? And and again, it may not have been an alligator. I don't know exactly. It was just something strange like that. And she said, when I was a child, I had a pink alligator or whatever it was. And she said, when you said it, was it a dolphin? And he said, when you said it, it brought me back to my childhood when I was seeking after God. Hallelujah. Because, again, he didn't know the full story. You're not supposed to know the full story. God, sometimes if we know the full story, we're going to mess it up. So God doesn't give us the whole story. He gives us what we need in order to communicate the right way. We have to believe and trust in that. Praise God. Yes, Lord Jesus. In both of these prophecies, Agabus said nothing more or less than what God had told him to speak. That is a requirement of a faithful prophet. The Bible says that we are to show ourselves good stewards of the oracles of God. I believe that is true of Scripture, and that's what he's referencing. But I also believe if God's going to call us to be go deeper in revelation and prophecy, he needs to know that we're going to handle what he gives us as good stewards, as good managers. Hallelujah, Jesus. So let me ask you something. What, how are you handling the revelations God are, is giving you now? How are you, revel- how are you handling the prophecies, the gifts of the Spirit, no matter how little or big that God is giving you now? I tell you, if you show yourself faithful in the little, He will give you a lot. You show yourself faithful in things that are insignificant. He'll give you prophecy that is significant. But it means being good stewards, uh, faithful prophets, uh, hallelujah, good managers uh, of the oracles of God, hallelujah. All right, let's talk about acting in the office of a prophet. I got to hurry. I got so much more. Prophets are specially called and enabled to proclaim the specific will, purpose, and counsel of God to his people. They are much like teachers, but where teachers are focused primarily on Scripture, prophets are not stepping outside of Scripture, but they're focused primarily on the voice of God in the Spirit. And it's important that we recognize this. What a great office to hold. And again, let me be clear. There are some differences between people who are just simply being used In prophecy, and people who are called in the office of a prophet. I want to talk specifically about being used in the office of a prophet. Some of these things may not apply to those who are just being used in prophecy. So, next, prophets help to strengthen the church by their ministry. And this is a a guiding principle for prophets. I'm here to strengthen the church. Even when communicating that Paul would be arrested, it helped to strengthen Paul's resolve so that when he was arrested, he had already resolved in his heart, I'm going to do this. Let's make it happen. Hallelujah. It doesn't mean, now let me be clear, in the role of a prophet, your prophecy may not always be positive. But this is the role of a prophet. If you're just being used in the gifts of prophecy, I'd be very, very, very careful in offering negative messages. And let me clarify what I mean by negative and all that in just a moment. But Acts 15 32, and Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them or strengthened them. The words of the prophets are able to strengthen the church and strengthen the brother. That's what the role of the prophet is meant to do and be. It's to strengthen the church. Praise God. And that is a guiding overall or arching principle for the prophet. I'm called to strengthen the church by the Spirit of God. All right, next slide. According to 1 Corinthians 14, prophecy is intended to build up the church by edifying, exhorting, and comforting the believer and convincing, judging, and revealing the heart of the sinner. So let's look at these. 1 Corinthians 14 and 3. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. This is the role of prophecy. Now let me tell you, you can be used to do this right now. You don't need uh, Hallelujah. Sometimes we're waiting on that light to shine down and the whole place goes dark and you just see a beam of light on that person and God reveals it like over their head like a pillar of fire. He writes with his own finger to give them that message. All you got to do is just walk over to him and say listen I believe God's got great things for you. You know that's a word of prophecy because It may not be you felt the Holy Ghost and God gave this to you. You don't need the Holy Ghost and God to give that to you to know that that is what, that's the truth and that's what God's plan is for them. So you can edify, exhort and comfort and be used in the gifts of prophecy and not even recognize it. I tell you, I can't tell, I cannot tell you how many times I would be talking to somebody and just encouraging them. And then all of a sudden, hallelujah. It was like I stepped from just encouragement right into prophecy and I began to minister in the sphere. And it's like I felt it and they felt it. And all of a sudden the whole place shut down and I was able to speak prophetically into their life Oh, how the and when, again when I say prophetically I don't mean just forth of future events but speaking a word from the spirit of God just the other day just a couple days ago a lady came in And she, I took her order at Dunkin' Donuts, and she was a little snippy with me. And uh, in my flesh, I was like, oh, having a bad day? (laughs) And I, I really didn't even mean it to be godly or anything like that. It was purely flesh. So oh you, you having having a bad day? Having a rough day? She looked at me and said, how, di- "How did you know?" So I, you know, I I didn't know. I just I just could sense it that you were having a difficult day. She's like, yeah, I'm having a hard day. I don't even I couldn't even tell you what I said to her, but it was like immediately God moved me. And I stepped right into prophecy, and I began to talk to her. I can't even tell you right now what I told her, but she began to cry. Has God ministered to her spirit? I I couldn't tell you. I'm trying right now to remember. Sometimes God does that. Sometimes God won't even let you know, so you can't take credit for it. Hallelujah. But whatever I said to her, I stepped right into the role of prophecy, and she began to cry. And now every day she comes in and she says, I'm doing good today. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. I'm telling you, you can do it. It doesn't have to be at church. If you can exercise this, just focus on edification, exhortation comforting people. You won't even realize you're walking into the role of prophecy, and you'll just be there to speak to them. All right, but then there's the role of the prophet in verse 24 and verse 25 that steps beyond that. Verse 24, but if all prophesy and there come in one that believeth not or one unlearned, he is convinced of all through prophecy He is judged of all through prophecy. And by prophecy, this is why, because the the secrets of his heart is made manifest. That's something that can only be done through the gifts of the Spirit. As a man or a woman of God is used in the gifts of the Spirit, begin to communicate. Now, there's times we do that by just speaking the Word of God. There's times we do that, but it is that prophetic utterance of God revealing the secrets of their heart. And so falling down on his face. Oh, I want to see that in this place. I want to see people falling down on their face to worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Praise God. That is so important. And let me tell you, that, that report is important. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Jeremiah was given a similar description of the role of a prophet when he was called as a prophet to the nations. Let's look at Jeremiah 110. Says, see, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down. These are not positive words here. These are not positive descriptions. Then it changes to the positive to build, to plant. So again, the role of the prophet, it's not always positive. Sometimes you have to pull down things in order for them to grow back up. Sometimes you have to destroy things to build them back up. And sometimes words of prophecy, again, I stress this, I would be very careful If you've been given a word and it's a negative word, something like, you know, if you don't get things right right now, I don't see you surviving another day. I've heard people get that word of prophecy. Something like that, you want to make sure that you are sincere and you know that's the word of God. And again, if you are not called in the role of a prophet, I would even get, Advice from your leaders before you would say that because you want to be very careful communicating things that will pull down, destroy, throw down, root out if you're not called in the office of a prophet. Because I've heard that and I've also heard where that prophecy came true. And that person only had that one last opportunity. So I'm not saying it can't happen. Sometimes the prophet has to deliver the negative message. ever cloaked, this is will be bound. That's a negative message. But it's meant to strengthen the church and strengthen the individual. Praise God. Is this all right? How about we clap our hands to the Lord? Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to go very quickly here. Just a couple of warnings and instructions for the prophet, first, the prophet can easily become obsessive about the spiritual realm and lack a balance in their public and personal life there's a there's a quote out there, most of the time I think this quote is just ridiculous. sometimes when it comes to the prophet it isn 't this quote they tend to be more heavenly minded." Than earthly-minded, or they're so what? What is it? They're so uh, heavenly-focused that they're no earthly good, or something like that. Um, you know. So the idea here is that they are so caught up in the spirit of God that they are ignoring the physical needs of maybe themselves or their families or their churches. And I I believe in the the role of prophecy. I believe it's so essential to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. But as we'll hear, God says that everything needs to be done decently and in order. Amen? But let me tell you, from the offset, I think we need more heavenly-minded people. (laughs) And as we'll see, 1 Thessalonians 5.19, before you go there, show the next slide. We must not neglect prophecy. Or, neglect to prove it. And that's 1 Thessalonians 5.19. It tells us, quench not the spirit. Verse 20, despise not prophesying. Verse 21, prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. That word prove means to test. One way or another... Prophecy will be tested because either it's going to happen or it's not going to happen. Either it'll be true or it's not going to be true. One way or another, prophecy will be proven. Paul gave specific guidelines, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but specific guidelines showing us how to prove or test prophecy. If you're going to step into the realm of the Spirit, if you're going to prophesy, you have to expect to be held accountable to your prophecy. You cannot be a rogue prophet. I don't believe there's such thing in the New Testament church as a rogue prophet out there just doing whatever they want to do. No, we see in the New Testament church where there are checks and balances. It is not my way or the highway. What I say goes, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. That's not how the New Testament is written. That's not Paul's instructions. Twice Paul follows his encouragement to the church to prophesy with a warning. And I think we should be good to hear and heed that warning. Again, do not neglect to prophesy, but also let's not neglect to test or prove prophesy, prophesying. So in 1 Corinthians fourteen thirty nine, he says, Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. And then verse 40, he gives our warning. Let all things be done decently and in order. That means I cannot just stand up in the middle of service and disrupt after absolutely everything and say, thus saith the Lord. Now, again, if you've got the influence and you've, you know that it's a right setting, absolutely. But if it's in the middle of offering, <laughs> you can wait until after offering. Let all things be done decently and in order. Because the prophet is in control of how and when to operate. First Corinthians fourteen thirty two. I've got scripture for that as well. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Why? Verse 30, 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. So he says, you know what? I need the prophets to take accountability for this word. It's like God is handing you the word. And he's saying, now I need you to be a good steward. Oh, I feel that again. Be a good steward of the word. Be a good prophet of the word. Be a good, uh, a good manager of that word. Make sure you speak it, but also make sure you speak it in the right way. Make sure you speak it with the right... Spirit, make sure you speak it in the right time. I need her, somebody needs to be writing all this down. Hallelujah! But, hallelujah, make sure you speak it in the right time because it may be the Word of God, absolutely, but it may not be the Word of God for that moment. It may be the Word of God for that individual, but it may need to be communicated in such a way that it's going to affect them the most. Just recently, God gave me a word about one of our people, and I held on to that word for months and months until I felt like they were so entranced and so committed and so open-hearted, and when I gave it to them, Instantly, they saw fruit uh, from that word of prophecy. Instantly, within the same night, uh, God performed and, and established and pro- proved that word of prophecy. Hallelujah. Again, this is about me. I'm just saying, sometimes you got to hold on to it uh, until it's the right uh, time because the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Prophets must remain submitted to the word. Everybody say the word. Their leaders. Everybody say leaders. And each other. Everybody say each other. Yes, we're accountable to each other. The oh, Okay, let's read it. 1 Corinthians 14, 29, and I'm almost done. Two more points. That's it. Let the prophets speak, two or three, and let the others judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold this peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be comforted. Again, prophesy. Please prophesy. But make sure you're doing it the right way. And be accountable to that word of prophecy. Let the others judge. And let them say whether or not that was true or not true. Again, be accountable, and don't get hurt if the pastor or another leader comes to you and say, "Listen, you know, I, I believe you meant well, but but I think you're wrong in this, and and I think maybe you're misinformed, or or maybe you just missed it. Listen, I'm telling you, I missed it. I've missed it plenty of times, and I've had my dad talk to me, and I hope you you acted better than I did. Anyhow. <laughs> Because I'd rise up, oh, no, that's not true. This is, and then I had to, you know, revisit it and say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, praise God. The last point many false apostles and prophets claim these titles in order to assert supreme authority in the church. I took it out of here, but there's a scripture that says that Jezebel called herself a prophet. And that was actually, if I'm not mistaken, a New Testament scripture. And it was in warning to false prophets. That's why I'm very careful. And I think we should all be very careful. Again, you can say, God uses me in the office of a prophet. But I wouldn't walk around saying, I'm prophet Aaron Mian. Or prophet so and so. Because you don't want to take upon yourself something if you're not certain, that's God's will. If that's the role you walk in, walk in it. Let everybody else call you prophet. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've called people prophets that they would never call themselves a prophet, but because it was recognizable, the will and plan of God on their lives. First John 4 and 1, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they be of God, Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Again, test it. Test it. Test it. Don't be afraid of messing up. Don't be afraid of prophesying. Go out and prophesy, but also make sure you're testing it. Make sure you're being proven. Make sure you're being submissive. Make sure you're recognizing your infallibility and that you can mess up. We can all mess up. Hallelujah. Oh, but if the Spirit of God is within me, I know He can move me like He moved the Old Testament prophets uh, to prophesy in the New Testament. And if we could, let's all stand. and Hallelujah. I know it's late. I'm not going to call an altar call, but I'd like to take a moment right now just to call upon the name of the Lord and to thank the Lord for this message. Can we just say thank you, Jesus? Oh, God. I love you, God. I praise you, Jesus. Oh, I want you in my life.